We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2. It's called the Queen of Paul's Letters, and I, f- I find a lot there, and I do want to be able to share with you just a little bit. And I want to be uh, sharing some uh, very, very personal things uh, when we get a little closer to the end of this morning's message. I'm going to give you something to do, okay? But when I give you something to do, that also means that I have to do it with you. So we have, uh, we have uh, homework notes, you know, you can start getting those going. <laughs> but anyway, let's go ahead and share from the Word of God. Today I'm looking at Ephesians chapter uh, 2, verse 5, where it talks about being made alive in Christ. And I'm going to talk about God's grace there. You saw all through the service this morning how uh, the, this theme is being developed, being alive, you know, the Valley of Dry Bones where God's breath is breathed in and you saw the grace, grace, you know, and it wasn't about grace called her own today. Sorry, bless you, sister, but uh, it's about the grace of God. We're going to be sharing that. So let's see where it all started. Um, when you look at Adam and Eve, you see that there was a little bit of an issue there. Remember that story? They kind of wanted to do it on their own and so forth. Well, let's, I'm going to take you to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, just kind of picking up the story there. As for you, when you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you used to live, and when you followed the ways of the world, and etc., 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 you go on, and what has happened? We have had from birth what was called the Adamic curse, or we followed in the footsteps of Adam, and we, like him, were people, men, mankind, and we are prone to sin. That propensity to sin can only be stopped when we cross that with the grace of God when Jesus steps in, and we see on Calvary that he's the one that purchased that price for our sins. He's the only one that can change that direction. Otherwise, we're going to be dead in our trespasses and sins. That's what Paul told the Ephesian church. That's what I'm telling you and sharing with you today. You look at that. You see that. But I don't want to remain in my de- my uh, uh, remain dead in my own sins. These these days, I'm kind of um, actually I'm inspired by a lot. I'm inspired, first of all, to be able to wake up in the morning. Wow, Lord, I really woke up? Great, it's another day. But other than, <laughs> other than those very obvious type things, one of the things that I draw great inspiration from, great uh, momentum to be able to live and so forth, are these little rugrats that are going around. And I don't know if we have eight or nine today or if it's going to be ten tomorrow or what have you. But I absolutely fall in love with him. But my other inspiration is from the Psalms, okay? So when I, it's, I remember uh, Psalm 103, it says, But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is on all those, and his righteousness on their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and obey his precepts. That's verses 17 and 18. You, you think about that. What inspires you? What motivates you? What gives you the, you know, the want to, the desire to live, to carry on, to get up, to make a difference, to do something? Where does your inspiration come from? I want you to read with me 
follow along, and I know we all have different translations. But Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 4, and I'll read verses 4 and 5. It says, But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, and it is by grace that you've been saved. Well, wait a minute. I thought he says that in verses 8 and 9. Yes, he does, but he says it here earlier in verse 6. And there's so many times in this particular small section here, verses uh, 1 through 10, where he talks about in Christ or with Christ or with Christ Jesus and so forth. So it's, it's a continual theme. And the grace of God came because of Christ Jesus. That cross that I pointed to, that's where the grace of God points us to. That's where the grace of God comes from. His love came to us. And now we, who were sinners, remember, we were once in our trespasses and sins, but now you've been, what? Made alive with Christ. Made alive. A reason to live. You've been brought, brought up. That valley of dry bones, you don't have to be dead in your pews. You can be alive with Christ. Just allow God's word to be breathed into that. And that's where we draw our inspiration from the scriptures here today. Have you ever been discouraged or doubted the truth of being made alive in Christ? Trying to live without Christ? Think about it. You ever doubted that? Why don't you go back then? Go back to being an unbeliever. See if you can do it. Try it. I dare you. I double dog dare you. Can you do it? You can't. You can't. You've been changed. You've been made anew. You've been made alive with Christ. He has already breathed into you the breath of life. You already possess Christ in your life. And there's no turning back. We sing all these songs. We recite all those hymns or, or praises and the psalms. And we, we go through all of that. But what has happened in our life? We who are the reborn. We who have accepted Christ. We who know Jesus can never go back to being that unbeliever, that person that's no longer alive. We can't do it. We can't remain in our trespasses and in our sins. We must press on to be with God. You've been made anew. You're a new creature. You're a new creature in Christ. You are His new creation, if you will. You've forever been changed. You're no longer... Uh, you're no longer governed by the Adamic curse or the curse of Adam. Instead, you've been made alive with Christ. You don't have to, um, you know, you don't have to have the nature of Adam because you have the nature of Christ. You're a Christian. You don't work for it. You can't earn it. There's nothing you can do of your own merit. You just have to rely on Christ. You've taken on now, since you've accepted Christ, and I pray that most of you have, if not all. You've taken on Christ, and you've become like Him. You have His DNA. You can't change it. You know, some of us might walk, want to walk out of our family and say, I'm disowning my family, I'm not going to remain with them anymore. But what happens? If your DNA is checked, it's the same as the people that lived in the house. It hasn't changed. You know, Jesus, what did He say? I'm the vine, you're the branches. You, you know, you maybe can't tell where the vine and the branches, you know, separate and so forth. It's all a part of the same living, uh, li living thing. You can't separate it. It is 
How's that saying go? What it is. Jesus said, this is who I am, and you are of me. You're mine. You've been, you've taken on the likeness of Christ. Remember what Paul said to the Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We've been forever changed. You know, Paul still wanted to do works, but he recognized where he came from. He recognized that the grace of God gave him the ability to live. I want to go ahead and go over some uh, definitions here. Let's look at the definition of God's grace. If you look at the Old Testament, the Old Testament word for grace, uh, at least one of the words, is chesed. And chesed talks about being forgiven and not having to be, uh, uh, you know, worried about, uh, you know, those who are going to come against you, your enemies. God delivers you from your enemies. But it also signifies enablement, and it helps you to, to do those things that God wants you to do, to be forgiven, to be preserved. To be guided by him daily. Well, in the New Testament, the word for grace is charis. And charis simply or mainly talks about the provision of God's salvation. How God gives us salvation. And all through, whether it's the Old Testament or whether it's the New Testament, the idea of the grace of God is to get you to a place where you'll recognize who God is. God is and he's a rewarder of all those who faithfully seek him. Is that the truth or not? If it is, okay. I heard it. Amen. Don't say it too loud. By the way, right now we're so free. Thank God for all of our military men and women who are overseas trying to protect us. But folks are over here and they're trying to infiltrate and they're trying to take us down and, and forbid us from these types of assembly. Well, so while we're able to name the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, let's do that. Let's take advantage of that uh, opportunity and say amen and praise the Lord and thank God. And God, your grace is sufficient for me. Know that like Paul did. Realize it like others have shared their testimony and so forth. And inculcate that into your own Christian being. Remember, after all, your price. You've been bought with a price. You belong to him. You're not your own. You're part of his family. That's pretty good. Any, anybody ever been a foster child besides me? Anybody? If, if you've known somebody who's been in foster care, you know what it's like to just go from home to home and wonder if you're going to get to stay there or is a social worker coming to deliver you to some other new place, you know, because the last people couldn't, couldn't stand you. Uh, that type of rejection built over long, long periods of time and however many transfers there's been makes you less prone to trust folks. But what does God want you to do? That word pistool, have faith, he wants you to trust Him. He wants you to believe in Him. But when the earthly men despise you, how do you love a uh, heavenly Father if no one ever points the way? 
So you and I, with everything that we're able to do, need to point that way for others so that they can see in you and believe. Believe in the one that you teach, even he who is the Christ. You know, no matter how you try to separate yourself or, you know, deliver yourself or make, you know, do whatever it is that you want to do. Have you ever tried to, you know, you get so mad. Have, by the way, have you ever had a body part? And my wife knows that my hands sometimes itch and I just want to wring them off. Well, I can't, like, take it off and, you know, twist it off and put it in a bowl of, you know, ice water or something myself. I, my whole body has to go over there so I can do that, right? You've seen some of those weird science things or cartoons, you know, where the people go, whoop, they take their, their head off and they set it aside. But we can't do that. And that's what God's grace is like. It's like he, is, he has made us a part of that body. And the scriptures tell us that he's the head of the body. And we, the church, form that body. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And we are the body of that church. That's God's grace. How is it that we learned about God's love for us? It was he who first came down and loved us and showed us how to love. That's the only way we can do it. When you look at Ephesians 5.23 or Galatians, excuse me, Colossians 1.18, you'll see very, very clearly that Christ is the head of the church and we form the body. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ. He's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. How do you feel about your own Christian walk? Where do you stand with God? Oh man, I keep sinning and I do this and I do that, but I don't want to do it. The don't want to do it part, that's the grace of God. That's the Spirit of God speaking to you and letting you know how children in Christ's body need to behave. And that's letting you know that you're a part of the body of Christ. No one has separated you but you. Bring yourself back. Allow Christ to welcome you back. Separate yourself no longer. You've already been made anew. Remember that illustration I shared with uh, a little bit earlier? We, we can't separate ourselves from the love of God. Nothing. There's neither height nor depth nor principality. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Romans 8, right? Nothing. So if nothing can separate us, why are we trying to be different? Why don't we just accept the grace of God? Love Him for who He is. God's grace. You know that many of you already know that acronym or or I'll just remind you again, grace has sometimes been explained by G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. So it costs him everything so that we could enjoy the riches of God. That's the grace of God. He gives that to us. And when he sent the Lord Jesus Christ, pointing back to the cross, that's where we stand. He gave us the opportunity to have life eternal in his name. Um, I want to share with you uh, John one seventeen. You can turn there if you like, but it's a very small verse. In John 1.17, it says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth 
came through Jesus Christ. Wow. Wow. So do we find grace by our works? When we try to juxtapose faith and works against the grace of God, where do we end up? Remember, I remember sharing an illustration years ago where there's a boat and it's talking about your life and the oars are painted. One's painted faith, the other's painted works and you're trying to get to the other side. Your life, you're trying to take over to Christ the other side of the, other side of the lake. And so you get out there and you say, well, you know what? I don't feel like using my left arm today. I'll just use my right arm. I'll just use work. So what happens? You just continue to spin around in one direction. And then, well, you know what? I've already tired that arm out, so now I'll use the other one. I'll use faith. And what happens? Then you begin to go around the other way. Hello, McFly. Is anybody awake? You need to use both oars, right, to get your life to where you need to be. God wants you to use your faith and your works. Remember the example that James, the half-brother of Jesus, shared when he talked about that? You show me your works without faith, and I'll show you my works by my faith. It's a both-and situation. But when it comes to the salvation of God, when it comes to receiving the salvation, that free gift of eternal life, from our Lord Jesus Christ, it is by grace. Let's read that there. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, that no man should boast. And then I don't want you to forget verse, verse 10, because we sometimes leave it off there. We're so familiar with 2, 8, 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, lest any man should boast. But verse 10 tells us, for we are God's workmanship. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. This was his purpose for us. Created in Christ Jesus for good works that we should walk in them. He wants us to do these good works, but not for our salvation, but because of our salvation. Because he's given us eternal life, and because he showed us what a great life we have in Christ, we want to share that with others. Folks, work by itself does not give us the dignity that Christ gives us when he gives us grace. When we look at different passages, uh, you know, in, in the scripture where it talks about God's grace, this is one of those gifts. It's one of those things that you know, it's, when he offers us his salvation, it's not like we can go online and look for the salvation of God. It's not in a store near you. It's not even at, you know, Thrifty Mart or the dime store or whatever. And you can't find it on the home shopping network. Why? Because it's his gift. It's God's gift. It's his free gift to us. He wants us to have his grace and he imparts that to us freely. It's nothing we could earn. And by the way, if we try to go and use all those vessels to go to a brick and mortar store, to go to online or, you know, whoever, we could never get it. Or if we pray to the prince and the power of the air, he couldn't give it to us. Why? Because only the Lord Jesus Christ can give us the grace that we need to accept him and believe him. When it says, for by grace are you saved, Right there? 
For by grace are you saved. You get your salvation. You get your freedom. You get your, uh, your, you know, your pass out of hell. You get your, uh, your other pass into heaven. You get that by the grace of God. For by grace are you saved. And then that faith that it takes you as a mere mortal standing on this earth to believe in God, that also comes from God. But you have to accept it. You have to believe it. You have to make it a part of your, your own. You have to own it as it were. I accept your faith, Lord, and I believe in you. And I want your free gift of eternal life. That is God's grace through faith, not yourselves. Not yourselves. Not of works. It's nothing that you could do, lest any man should boast. There is no reason. Remember, Paul was talking about being able to boast, and you know, if you talk about being a Pharisee, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. If you talk about being zealous, I was more zealous than everybody. Look at what I did. I went all the way up to Damascus to persecute everybody in the name of my Judaism. You know, so whatever it happened to be, I could brag more than you all, but I don't. If I boast in anything, I boast in Christ. I only boast in His name. And that's really all we can do. We have nothing of our own to share other than what we've already received from the Lord Jesus Christ. His grace and His peace be with you even today. But let's, uh, let's not stop there. This uh, free gift that we have comes from a loving Heavenly Father. It's the kind of gift that only a Heavenly Father would bestow lavishly upon all of His children. Let's look at verses 6 and 7, okay? We're kind of going backwards here. But chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, And God raised us up with Christ, and He seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. And what was that for? In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Wow. Wow. This is what God wants to do. This is beyond compare. This is beyond anything we could measure or, you know, add up. This is even more than Mickle or some of you other scientists could figure out. It takes faith. It takes faith to believe that. And by the way, you don't have to be educated, as it were, to have faith. Faith is given freely by God to all. But you, on your part, wherever you find yourself on the educational spectrum, Wherever you find yourself in the geographic world, wherever you find yourself in the monetary you know, allocation uh, schematic, wherever you find yourself, what does it take? It takes faith. It's not your money. It's not your might. It's not your, uh, you know, your scholarly uh, attributes. It's only faith to believe in the grace that God gives you. Wow. That's God's 
free gift to us. His grace. You have faith in works, yes. A faith to believe? Yes. Works to believe? No. Works just prove that you believe. Works show you believe. Works show that you trust God. You want to work for Him. You want to do well for Him. They don't earn you anything except the praise of God after you've believed in Him. Not before. In Ephesians, excuse me, in um, Hebrews, a great faith chapter, chapter 11, we're told there in verse 6 that without faith it's impossible to believe. I mean, it's impossible to please God. You want to please God? You want to receive the grace of God? That's the way you do it, by faith. By faith. The definition of faith as we see it in Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, I've given you a biblical uh, definition for faith, but I think it's pretty clear that faith is something that we can't see, it's not tangible, it's not anything we can grasp with our hands. We can only grasp it with the spirit that God gives within us. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for. What do we hope for? We're hoping for eternal salvation and everlasting life with our Lord. The evidence of things not seen. Well, what haven't we seen? We haven't seen Christ in the flesh. But do we believe it? I hope we do. I hope we trust it and believe that Jesus Christ came down from heaven, came to the earth, died on a cross for your and my sins so that we could have eternal life with him. He's the one by his death and shed blood gave us eternal life. He forgave us of all of our sins. And that takes faith to believe. Remember again, for grace, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It's God's gift. His merciful, loving, kind, and fatherly-like gift that He bestows on every one of His children who will just trust Him. Who will just trust Him. Who will believe in Him. You know, like every little girl or every little boy that daddy sits up on the counter and says, jump, you know, it's like, or, you know, they're on the edge of the pool and they're going in water and the water's like this deep. You know, but they still, you know, they, they get that. Well, you and I are on the precipice ourselves. It might be the precipice of this example uh, or, you know, or that trial or this uh, relationship problem, whatever it happens to be, you and I are right there right now and the Lord is saying, just trust me. Just trust me. I'll catch you. Just like we promised to our children or grandchildren or whoever, that we'll catch them. God will catch us. Trust me. Believe in me. God will show us, if we trust Him, great and mighty things that we know not. But we have to trust Him. We have to believe. The evidence of things not seen will be shown through you and I as we live out our lives for the Lord. There'll be more and more evidence of God. Wow, 
How did that situation work out? I didn't see any way that could have happened. Or remember that person, they're the worst sinner in the world, and yet you spoke to them, and all of a sudden they had a change of heart, and all of a sudden they give their life over to the Lord. They stopped what they used to do. God, how did you do that? That's not possible. Don't you know them? Yes, I do, and I love them, and I died for them. And I sent you to talk to them. Wow, you are used of God. Praise the Lord for that kind of faith, that kind of trust that it takes to believe that the grace of God can overcome is mightier than any of our, you know, any of our mighty or any of our minute things that we might do. It's greater than all of that. In 1 Corinthians 15.10, it was God's grace working through Paul that allowed him to do good work. And I'll just reference that and let you look up that passage. I don't want to go there and spend more time. We all know what works are. That's doing it on our own. And actually, we can't. When you look at Romans 3.10, it tells us that there's none righteous. No, not one. None righteous. Nobody. Nobody's perfect. Remember what he says in in Romans 3.23? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's you, that's me, everyone. All of us. None of us is perfect. And all of us have sinned. So all of us stand in need of a Savior. All of us need the faith to believe in God's grace. All of us need to accept that free gift of eternal life that Jesus Christ did come. His love was shown or demonstrated to us. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's Romans 5.8, by the way. That's God's love. That's God's grace to us. We can't earn salvation. We have to have God show it to us through His grace. When we understand the entire salvation plan is God's, Hopefully that realization will wake us up. We'll be reborn. He'll give us new life and make us genuinely alive in Christ. Amen.